the clerk murmured condolences. But he could not look her in the eyes, and she saw that his hand shook as he fumbled for the next pay packet. Eloise moved away from the head of the queue like an automaton, putting one foot in front of the other, and yet barely conscious of what she was doing or which way she was going. All she knew was that she must get home to her babies, poor fatherless little mites, who now depended on her for everything. Blinded by the rain and tasting the salt tears that were flooding down her cheeks, she stumbled over the wet cobblestones as she headed off in the direction of Shoreditch. It was a long walk to Myrtle Street, but she did not want to waste money on the bus fare, and she needed time in which to compose herself. Her heart might be broken into shards, but she must not let the little ones sense her despair. At least they were warm and dry at home, safe in the care of her neighbour's eldest daughter, Mary, who was a stolid, reliable sort of child and could be trusted not to leave Joss and Beth unattended. Eloise headed north towards Bishopsgate, barely noticing the crowds of workers who were hurrying homewards. She was soaked to the skin, and her feet were blistered and sore, but she was oblivious to physical pain or discomfort, and she quickened her pace. She wanted to be at home with her children. She longed to hold them in her arms and to inhale their sweet baby fragrance. Joss and Beth were her last link with Ronald. Her breath caught on a sob as the harsh truth dawned upon her. She would never see him again. She would never have the chance to kiss him goodbye, or even have the small comfort of seeing him laid to rest in a leafy cemetery where she might lay flowers on his grave. She stumbled on through the rain-soaked streets, ignoring the curious looks of passers-by. But after a while a painful stitch in her side forced her to stop and lean against a shop window, gasping for breath. As the pain ebbed away, Eloise made a concerted effort to be calm. She must try to think clearly. She must not panic. As her breathing slowed down and the fog of misery began to clear from her brain, she knew what she must do. She would collect the children and take them home to the vicarage and to mother. Mamma would make things right again. She always knew what to do for the best. Gaining strength from the thought of her mother's comforting presence and the familiar surroundings of her old home, Eloise started off again, edging her way through the slowly moving forest of black umbrellas. She tried to focus her thoughts on happier times, recalling her first meeting with Ronnie and the heady days of their whirlwind romance. They had met at a church social during one of his infrequent shore leaves. Ronnie was not a religious man, but having nothing better to do, he had accompanied one of his shipmates to the social evening, and he had always teased her about the way they met, declaring that it was the best worst evening of his life. Eloise was not fooled by his levity. She had known the first moment she set eyes on him in the church hall that he was the one for her, and she knew that Ronnie had felt the same. He had charmed her with his dazzling smile and craggy good looks. She had noticed particularly how his bright blue eyes were crinkled at the corners, caused no doubt by years of gazing across vast oceans into the far horizon, and his lively sense of humour had quickly overcome her initial shyness. They had danced every dance to the rather out-of-tune notes of Miss Brompton on the pianoforte. They had sipped the fruit cup, which was so well diluted that there was barely a trace of alcohol in the oversweet drink, and they had eaten fairy cakes baked by the Mrs. Bragg, two maiden ladies who owned a millinery in Pear Tree Lane. Oi! Look where you're going, ducks! The strident voice of a costermonger whose barrow she'd bumped against brought Eloise back to reality with a jerk.
she bent down to retrieve the oranges that had bounced into the gutter, which was oozing with muddy rainwater mixed with straw and detritus from the streets. She gave them back to him with a murmured apology. He squinted short-sightedly into her face. I shall get home and out of them wet duds if I was you, miss. You'll end up with lung fever if you're not careful. Eloise managed a wobbly smile and went on her way. Battling against the wind and rain, it took her over half an hour to reach Myrtle Street. It was not the most spiritually uplifting of places in which to live, but the rent was reasonably cheap, which was essential as they always seemed to be short of money. Although Ronnie earned a good wage, he was a spendthrift by nature, and no matter how many times she tried to make him live within their means, he'd never complied, laughing at her attempts to balance the housekeeping and telling her that there was plenty more where that came from. Cold, wet and...